In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the blessed month of Tuva, and today the Gospel was from John chapter 3. And as I mentioned to you uh, a few weeks ago, one of the themes of this month is the, the declaration of salvation to the world. The declaration of salvation to the world. And John the Baptist, he declared this message of salvation today in today's gospel when he said, he said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hear his, hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. And I like this passage because in this passage you see the work of the Holy Spirit. You see that St. John, he used to, whenever he would see the Christ, he used to say something very interesting about Christ. One time he would say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Another time, and this time, he says, He who is who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly. So he calls the Lord the bridegroom. And I really like this idea of Christ being the bridegroom. The idea of Christ being the bridegroom. So I wanted to talk about what it means that Christ is the bridegroom. You know, one of the other times the disciples of John went and complained to the Lord Jesus and said, How come your disciples, how come they're not fasting like the rest of us? And then the Lord said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. So you see that the Lord applied the concept of the bridegroom even to himself after St. John had spoken about it. And even then you know about St. Paul in Ephesians, how he called himself or how St. Paul, he describes the Lord as the bridegroom and the church is his bride. So I want to talk today about what it means to that Christ is the bridegroom. And some of the roles of Christ as the bridegroom. The first role of Christ as the bridegroom is that actually if you study the like or look into what marriage was like in the Hebrew custom or what how they used to practice marriage, it was always initiated by the husband or the bridegroom or the father's like the father of the son. It was always initiated on on the part of the bridegroom. If you look at like how Isaac met Rebecca, it was from the, the groom's side, the bridegroom's side. It was always the groom searching for the bride. The same with Jacob sought after Rachel. It was how Tobias sought after Sarah in the book of Tobit. Always the bridegroom is always the first one to... Like initiate. Even I was thinking about maybe you might say, well, Ruth actually kind of sought Boaz, but actually it was Boaz who then, after the 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 proposal came, he's the one that took the initiative, had the council sat down and said, "Is there a closer relative? I'm I'll be the closest. I'll buy and I'll take uh, 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 Ruth as my wife." So the idea is that, um, as I I found a nice uh, paragraph online, it said that God is the grand initiator. The grand initiator. Because before there was sin, he initiated the plan of redemption and the salvation of sin. And when sin occurred, God initiated contact with the sinners, 
questioned out their confessions, and then initiated the blood sacrifice that covered their sin and clothed their bodies. So he initiates the relationship. He's the one that invites us to the wedding. Um, to put it in the modern framework, because you guys like the modern framework, is that it was as, it's as if the Lord is getting down on one knee and initiating the proposal. The Lord is the one initiating the proposal, asking you to be His, His bride. And in the book of Hosea, it says something, it says something very beautiful. It says, it shall be in that day that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. This was an invitation that was offered by God that now we can become, we can join and become the bride of Christ. The lesson here, I think, is do not reject this initiation. If the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to you and proposing to you, then it'd be very like shameful to walk away from that type of proposal. The second role of the bridegroom was to needs to pay the the in the Hebrew is called the the mohar or is the dowry. The idea of the dowry is the idea that when you wanted to get a bride, you had to offer a something big, and it was not cheap to get married back then. Actually, maybe some things haven't changed, but it was like very expensive to get a bride. And to illustrate this concept, let's look at the story of Jacob. When Jacob was trying to fell in love with Rachel, his dowry was seven years plus seven, like 14 years of labor for the one he loved for Rachel. 14 years of labor, big price to pay for the bride. Every bridegroom has to pay big price for the bride. Has to pay a huge price. 14 years of, uh, like, is this Rachel's the only girl in the world? Like, why didn't he find someone I could have worked a year for? No, but because Rachel is so, so beautiful, the bride of Christ, it was so worthwhile to Jacob. To, to work those 14 years. Actually, it's written in the scripture. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed like only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Wow. The love that Jacob had for Rachel was so much that he worked 14 years, like, and he said it passed as a few days. The idea that, and Jacob paid this huge amount for, for Rachel. And then the idea is that the same is true about Christ the Bridegroom. Christ the Bridegroom, as we read in the epistle of St. Peter, he says, Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. That the Lord, the true Bridegroom, He paid a big price for you to be His bride. Big, big price for you to be his bride. The third role of the bridegroom is that the bridegroom actually gives honor to the, to the bride. The bridegroom gives honor and exalts the wife and lifts her up and gives her dignity. He protects her. He provides for her. The true bridegroom always raises his, his, uh, his bride up. 
Here I want to talk to you about a bad bridegroom. A bad one. A bad one. A bad one, his name was Nabal. This was a bad bridegroom. Why was he a bad bridegroom? Is because even though he was very rich, Nabal was a very rich man, he did not exalt his wife. He did not honor her. He didn't care to protect his, he didn't care about his household. I'll tell you why here in a second. Even the scripture says about him, he was a mean and bad tempered man. And then his wife, his wife's name was Abigail. She was described as someone beautiful and intelligent. And I think Abigail's marriage to this wicked bridegroom is symbolic to maybe our marriage of sin. There was an absence of love in this marriage. Absence of love in this marriage. Full of selfishness. Nabal was a very selfish man, as I'll describe here shortly. And full of pride. And you'll see that as well. The story goes that David, after he was on the run from Saul... He wandered upon the fields of Nabal and saw the sheep of Nabal. And he sent messengers to Nabal saying, You know, our men are hungry. We've protected you. Actually, nothing has ever happened to your house because I protected you and I took very good care of you guys. So if you would just spare a few sheep for for our men, it would be very nice of you. You have so many. It would be very nice. And we did you a service, so please... Nabal, like very mean, very prideful, lack of love. He said, he said, David, who is he? I've never heard of him. The country is full of runaway slaves nowadays. I'm not going to take any of my bread and water and the animals that I've butchered from my sheep shears and give them to people who come from I don't know where. And the interesting thing is this is David. David, the one that they were saying before, you know, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands. And so David, when he heard that Nabal said this, he was like, okay, Nabal is gonna, is going to, is gonna get it. Nabal is gonna get it really hard this time. He said, he, why did I ever protect this fellow's property out here in the wilderness? Not a thing that belonged to him was stolen. And this is how he pays me back for all the help I gave to him. May God strike me if I don't kill every last one of those men before morning. So David got up, told his swords sword to buckle their swords and to go. And we're going to destroy the house of Nabal. And then the servants who heard this exchange, they went to Abigail and said, Your husband's crazy. He just insulted David. And David's coming to destroy our house. Do something. So Abigail, it's written that she quickly gathered together. You know, David asked for a few like sheep. It's written that Abigail went and she gathered a hundred loaves of bread, wine, sheep, grain, raisins, dried figs. And she made a big procession to go to, to go to David. And then when she met David, this is what? This is what Abigail said about Nabal. says, please don't pay any attention to Nabal, that good for nothing. He is exactly what his name means, a fool. The name Nabal means a fool. And I wasn't there when your servants arrived, sir. And then he said, accept this offering, this gift for you. And then David was very accepted the offering. And then, and then went back to his own place in peace. 
And then the interesting part, I think that's what relates to our story today, is that when Abigail goes back to the house, you know what Nabal is doing? He's sitting with himself, having, it says he has a big feast prepared for a king, for himself. He's drunk by himself. He's just enjoying life in his own little world. This is like uh, the idea that I was thinking is like, this is a, like the life of sin. He's sitting there enjoying his life of sin by himself. And he's actually about to be destroyed. Like David's about to come and... Whew, and he's sitting there feasting and drinking and having fun. What, how? How can you do this? And he doesn't care about his family. He doesn't care about his... So selfish. Only thinking about his own needs. And only thinking about his own desires. What a bad husband. What a bad bridegroom. And then after his drunkenness, he said he got a stroke that day. And then shortly after, he, he passed. And then David initiated and offered Abigail to become his bride. I think David, as a symbol of Christ, is offering Abigail a new like exaltation, honor to the bride. He took this wife, Abigail, who was the wife of someone, ugh, low, didn't treat, and exalted her to become like queen, queen Abigail. It's actually, and, and, and Abigail knew this. When she met David, she said, I know you are going to be king. I know you are going to be. So I see that's the role of the bridegroom. The bridegroom, he lifts the bride. He exalts the bride. He gives honor to the, so good for the husbands. The, he exalts the bride, gives them honor and takes them up and provides for them and cares for them. And don't be like Nabal, who was just so selfish and only thinking about himself. Number four, the bridegroom takes the bride to a new place. After the marriage happens, the bridegroom takes the bride and goes to a new place. David took Abigail, they went to a new place. Isaac took Rebekah and took them to the bridal chamber, the bridegroom chamber. Takes them to a new place. Our bridegroom, he wants to take us to a... New place. The Lord Jesus Christ, He says, I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be there also. You know, in the parable of the ten virgins, the Lord Jesus Christ, He came and took the five wise virgins and He took them to a new place. That's why the psalm always, in the psalm, in the, forget your people and your father's house. Why? The Lord's going to take you to a new place. The bridegroom should always, and this is true in marriage, the bridegroom always takes his bride to a new place. A new place to provide for for his, his wife. So that's what the bridegroom does. We said four things about the bridegroom. Let's talk very quickly about the bride. Just very quickly, because you know all these things already. The bride should be should be prepared to obey, should accept the proposal if the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to propose to you, then you should accept the proposal and you should be obedient. You should be obedient to the bride or to the bridegroom. You should be obedient to the bridegroom. But another thing is, this is a very important concept, is that the bride should be preparing themselves. The bride should be preparing themselves. What St. Paul says in his epistle, he says, 
For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. This is what St. Paul, he's speaking to the Corinthians. He says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Hear this part. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. So that means the virgin has to, or the, the, the bride has to be chaste. Has to be prepared herself. Has to be ready to. And St. Paul is saying, I'm presenting you as a chaste virgin for Christ. Imagine now the idea. And this is the idea that is present so much in the Old Testament. Is that any sin, any thing apart from God's will is actually cheating on God. Is being unfaithful to God. Is an adulterous relationship outside of your relationship with your true bride. Imagine two people are in a relationship and one cheats and commits outside of... Oh, it's devastating. Devastating to do something like that. But actually, every time we sin, this is adultery against God. Adultery against God. And so the object of all of us as the bride of Christ, we should be chaste. We should be pure. We should be offering our Christ the, 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 the purest thing that we can give Him, you know, which is our chastity. The other thing that, uh, and I'll end with this, is that because Christ has made us brides and exalted us, I think it comes with uh, some privileges and one of the privileges, I'll read two passages, and you tell me what you got from it. Okay? One of them says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so we are in the world. This is the Catholic epistle today. The Catholic epistle, to pay attention, give me the, the key word. Love has perfected, has been perfected among us in this marriage. That we have boldness in the day of judgment. And then in the, in the Pauline epistle, it says something also very interesting. It says, therefore brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to a true heart, with a true heart, in full assurance of faith. I don't know if you guys, it's too much for, you guys are sleepy today. The idea is that boldness, I like the idea of boldness, that the bride has assurance of faith. In, in, in the Pauline, or in the Catholic epistle, it said that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. In the Pauline epistle, it says that we can, we can hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, that we have full assurance of faith. I like that idea, that the bride has full assurance of faith. The idea, that's why I was thinking about when Esther, Queen Esther, when King, you know, Xerxes was, you know, he's a very strict man, very like, Embarrassing for Queen Esther to go in the presence of the king. But actually, she had boldness. Queen Esther had boldness to appear before the king. And to ask the king. And to say, 
please come with me to this banquet today. And then to even add and to expose the plan, the evil plan of Haman. It's a good wife. A good wife that has boldness to appear before the throne of the king. I feel like Esther is like us. Now we have, as the, as the uh, Catholic epistle says, the perfect love casts out fear. You have boldness, full assurance of your faith. I hope all of us, we have that boldness before God. In the liturgy, we say, may we pray with boldness and say, our father. The Christian bride has boldness to appear before the throne of God. So we said several things about the bridegroom. We said the bridegroom initiates the process. He pays the the dowry out of his immense love for you. He pays the biggest dowry. He exalts the wife and honors the wife and protects the wife. And the bridegroom takes the bride to a new place. Has best plans for his bride. So we should stick to the bridegroom. We should stick to the bridegroom. I hope each one of these, each one of these things we think about them. We think about is Christ our bridegroom? How is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? We have boyfriends, we have wives, we have this, we have all this. But do we have Christ as our bridegroom? Christ as our bridegroom. Today we need to have a deep, intimate, loving relationship with God, our true bridegroom. And glory be to God forever. Amen.